Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges and this is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a daily podcast where we're studying the Word of God. We are studying the Bible. The Bible is God's Word to us, given to us so we can know Him, know about Him, know what He considers important, and know how He's told us He wants us to follow Him. We're working our way through 1 John. We're in the chapter 5. This is episode 46, and today we're looking at 1 John chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. Let's read the passage. All unrighteousness is death, and there is sin that doesn't lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not sin, but the one who is born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. John's continuing in this discussion of believers who sin. Last time we in verse 16, we, we saw this confusing statement about if we see a fellow believer committing sin and and literally the, the word was sinning sin and the only place we see this in in the new testament this idea of sinning sin so it's not just a sin but it's engaging in a lot of sin a, a habit of sin a pattern of sin and, and john said then pray about that person and god will answer that prayer and god will give life to that person Now, by life, I think he means restore. Here he says again, all unrighteousness is sin. He's been hitting this several times. Sin is a big deal. Uh, Back in uh, chapter 3, verse 3, he said sin is lawlessness, uh, a violation of God's law. Here he says unrighteousness is sin. So this is a violation of God's standards of of what is right. And, And it is sin. It's a big deal. But he reiterates again here, There is sin that doesn't lead to death. What is he talking about? Well, we talked a lot about it last time, so I won't rehash all of that. But essentially, he's saying he's talking about a fellow believer, a fellow follower of Christ who is sinning sin. Pray for that person because the sin doesn't lead to death. Now, what's the sin that leads to death versus the sin that doesn't lead to death? I believe he's talking about who the person is. If the person is a follower of Christ, that person has been forgiven. That person has been adopted by God. That person has been given eternal life. That person is a child of God. And as he's been saying all along, you're either a child of God or you're a child of the devil. And there's no in-between. And the child of God has eternal life. The child of God is filled with the Holy Spirit. The child of God has forgiveness of sin. So this child of God already has eternal life. So whatever sin this person commits is not leading to eternal death because they already have eternal life. So we pray for this person and God can restore this person. And he's reiterating again that there is sin that doesn't lead to death. And he's specifically talking about the believer who sins. Then he goes on in verse 18. He says, We know that everyone who has been born of God does not sin. We've just been talking about the person born of God who does sin. Now he says everybody who's born of God does not sin. He he uses language like this uh, earlier. Now, part of the problem is we're separated by a couple thousand years and and language, so things don't always sound as clear to us. But I believe what he's intending to say here for us in our language is, continue to sin. 
engage in a pattern of sin. Because he's already said, if you see a believer sinning, pray for him. Because that sin doesn't lead to death. Now he says, but everyone who's been born of God does not sin. I think the, the meaning here, or the context is, engage in a pattern of sin. Or continue to sin. So somebody who's been born of God, they do not engage in an ongoing pattern of blatant sin. He goes on to explain that. But the one who is born of God keeps him. Now, there's a different verb here. He says, everyone who has been born of God, it's a, a past perfect tense for the verb. So it's a, a something accomplished in the past once and for all with finality, with a continuing effect. The person bo- who has been born of God, that, that's you and me. Somebody who's been born again through faith in Christ. But the one who is born of God, or was born of God, it's a, a different tense of the verb here. And I think the context means this is the Son of God. This is Jesus. The one who's been born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. I like the way they do living translation, translate this particular verse. says, we know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning, for God's Son holds them securely and the evil one cannot touch them. I think there they they clearly get across the the idea. Everyone who's been born of God, that is you and me, does not make a pattern of sinning, does not continue in a a lifestyle of sinning. But the one who's born more to God, that is Jesus, keeps him, that is, keeps us. And because of that, the evil one does not touch us. So the point here is, While we do sin, we will sin. We don't have to sin. And we're not helpless about sin. Christ keeps us and protects us. Protects us from the evil one. The new birth that we experience coming to Christ should lead to new conduct. If there's no change in conduct, then that, you know, questions the new birth. Now, will we be perfect? Will we be sinless? No. But we do act differently. We do live differently. And part of that is because the one who has been born of God, that is Christ, keeps us and protects us. So what if we do struggle with sin? Well, I'll take that back. (laughs) What do we do when we struggle with sin? Because we all struggle with sin. The the challenge is to recognize it because we're very good at rationalizing our sin, holding a grudge. And we feel so justified because the other person done us wrong. But if we'd really honestly look at that and and honestly say, I am holding a a grudge, and then analyze, why am I holding a grudge? It may be because I recognize this person offended me and tweaked my pride. And I'm holding a grudge because I'm holding, I'm clinging to idolatry there versus being willing to forgive. And so part, the, the hardest part is re- recognizing it. Recognize that I am sinning. And if I'm holding a grudge, I'm clinging to sin. And I feel so justified in doing that. And we do. We feel so justified in our sin or deserving. I deserve this, whatever it is. Now, often when we sin, probably more than just often, but we tend to distance ourselves from God. 
What did Adam and Eve do when they sinned? They hid from God because they recognized their sinfulness. And so when God came looking for them, they were hiding. We tend to do that. We hide from God when we sin. And the more we engage in sin, the more we fall into a pattern of sin, the more we step back from God. It's hard to read God's word when you're living in blatant sin. It's hard to engage in prayer when you're living in sin. It's hard to get closer to God when we're clinging to sin. So what do we do if we recognize there is a sin that we're struggling with? Say we come to a point where we realize, you know, I am holding a grudge. We talk to God about it is the best thing to do. And ask God to reveal your heart. Why are you holding a grudge? Why do I feel this way? Why am I clinging to this? And allow God to reveal your own heart. Confess to God, God, this is sin. And I've been clinging to it. I have been desperately clinging to this sin because of my own self-importance. Ask God to guide you through this. Ask God to bring you out of this. The problem with sin is it distances us from God. And the solution is to get closer to God. It it sounds pretty simple, and, and it is. As sin gets between us and God, the solution is to get closer to God. Pour into God's word. Specifically what God has to say about the sin you're dealing with. So study the word of God. Pray. Talk with God about the issue. Talk with God about the problem. Ask God to reveal your heart to you. He already knows. Often we're the last to figure it out. So ask God to reveal the motivations of your heart, the darkness of your heart to you. We not only hide from God when we fall into sin or when we start clinging to sin or we just find ourselves overwhelmed with sin. We hide from each other. We hide from other believers. We hide from the church. And if you want to get out of sin, get closer to God, get closer to your fellow believers. Actually engage with other believers. I'm not saying you go before the church and confess all your sins, but talk to trusted fellow believers about it. Just being in the company, the regular habit of being in the company of other believers helps you deal with the the sin in our lives. So don't hide from God. Don't hide from the church, but get closer to God. Get closer to your fellow believers. Get closer to the church. Because we know that everyone who's been born of God, that's you and me, does not live in a habitual pattern of sin because the one born of God, that is Christ, keeps us and protects us. Protects us from the evil one, but also is ready to reveal our own heart. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. The Holy Spirit will reveal the the dark motives of our heart if we will just open up and allow him. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through 1 John.